This is Corolla Digital. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves a good home-cooked meal. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And that music gets better every week. I say it every week, and it's the truth. And it is not not baloney. I love hearing those guys play that music. And, of course, they get better every week, too. Of course, that's Scott Gilbraith with the orchestra and the Vicky Eubanks dancers featuring boy tenor Ron Levely asking the musical question, what are the priest, the rabbi, and the minister doing in the bar in the first place? Well, that's a pretty good question. What are they doing in a bar in the first place? That's just a great classic structure, as I'm sure you all know, The priest, the rabbi, and the minister walk into a bar, and blank, then the joke happens. Now, the triple whammy is, I don't know any jokes like that. I I thought that was a good question to ask, and the colonel and I I sat there and said, well, that's a pretty good question, but I don't know any jokes that start with the classic structure of a priest, a rabbi, and a minister walk into a bar. But why are they there in the first place? Well, number one, that's, that's quite a bar. I guess you could could call that a sort of a, a different kind of happy hour. But I thought that was a neat question, so uh thank you, Ron. And it's a very it's a very exciting week, apart from the Scott Gilbraith Orchestra, and apart from the Vicky Eubanks dancers, and apart from Boy Tenor Ron Levely. By the way, that Ron's name was we, we, we thought maybe I was mispronouncing it, but it's pronou- it's spelled like Reveille, like the blowing of Reveille in the morning. But it has an L, so I thought, well, Levely is close enough. And by, we have a special surprise this week. We have, can I have a drum roll, please? A new sponsor. That's right, a brand new sponsor, an official sponsor, someone paying dough to be a sponsor. So that's, you know what, that's pretty good news. When you're, remember, when you're in business in any kind of way, when you're making something that's a product that you want to sell, when people buy it, when people like it, when people really, and I'm talking about our show, by the way, <laughs> not, the, not, what the, not what the sponsor is selling, but it's a great product the sponsor is selling. And we can say welcome to then and by Ting.com. That's right, Ting.com. That's right, T-I-N-G.com. No one has to spell the .com. I guess at this point in American life, Really, no one has to say that's C-O-M, dot C-O-M, ting.com. But I'm going to tell you right off the bat, what is, what, what is Ting? Ting is a mobile carrier that makes sense, and they're a reseller of the nationwide Sprint network. And what does that mean, folks? They're a new cell phone service. And, you know, with big companies, if you sign on with big companies, and that's a terrible thing to do. We're all going to hate the big companies right now. We're going to hate the big companies until, of course, they become a sponsor of the show, too, and spend a lot of money. Then we'll like them a lot. But as far as right now goes, 
Big companies, you know, you sign a contract and you sign for two years and you pay too much. But you know what? Ting is better. T-I-N-G and Ting.com. Speaking of contracts, they're truly, completely contract-free. So there's no early termination fees. You have zero fees for that. There's, they have no bundling or ride-along services. You choose from XS through XXL service. Is that extra small through double XL? As you know, I'm I'm with it. So you choose from the XS through the XXL service for voice minutes, text messages, and megabytes of data, all billed separately. And we told them to do that. They said, we're all going to put it to- together. And we said, no, bill them all separately. Get this, no overage charges or penalties. You use more than you thought you would. You just pay for what you used. You don't, you don't get tied down onto the rail for the train to run over you, as you would with the big companies we hate until they become sponsors. And there are unlimited devices on one plan. It's really something, if you think about this, they have as many devices as you want on one plan, sharing pooled minutes, messages, and megabytes. Each device has a plan. It costs a flat $6 per month. A flat $6 per month. Not seven, not eight, six. Credits on unused service. If you use less than you thought you would, which happens, if you use less... Ting drops you down to the next level you hit and credits the difference to you on your next bill. That's pretty good. Again, they don't do what, well, what bigger companies would do, but really they they have the customer in mind on this stuff. That's why I think it's pretty good. There's no add-on charges. Voicemail, caller ID, tethering, hotspot, three-way calling, call forwarding, and other features, all part of the service. There's no add-on charges, no mysterious line items on your bill. Ting charges for what you used, plus whatever taxes they're legally required to collect. There's no hidden charges, recovery fees, nothing. No other nonsense. No hold customer support. You call them at 1-855-T-I-N-G-F-T-W between 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And a real person will pick up the phone. It won't be one of us here, so you'll actually get someone who knows what he's talking about. But here's the best news of all. If you go to larry.ting.com, that's me. And if you go to larry.ting.com, you receive $25 off your first device purchase or $25 in service credit. Now, that's pretty good. And at any rate, we're awfully proud. We're very pleased. Thank you, guys. And thank you for being our new sponsor. But is that all? No. And by Amazon. That's right, Amazon. That's correct, Amazon. You're right, Amazon. After you get everything Ting.com has. But what you do is, instead of going to Amazon, you go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who didn't know that? Well... You're listening to one. At any rate, you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, and they have a banner there that says Amazon. You hit that banner, and that will take you to Amazon, the same Amazon, where you can buy anything in the world you want. But this time, once you go through our podcast, our webpage, wow, it's either 
comical or so sad that I can't even remember which of those it is. But it's LarryMillerPodcast.com, and Amazon sends part a, per- a percentage of what you order to us. And we're very happy with them, and we're very happy you order from them. So now we have two great sponsors, Amazon.com, and which you get through on our website page. Wow, this is... I'm either really getting tired or I'm I'm getting so mature I can't remember. So you go to LarryMillerPodcast.com or our new sponsors, and we're very glad they've come on board, and we really look forward to uh, look a long relationship. That's uh, Ting.com, Ting.com, and Ting.com, or Larry.Ting.com, where you only, not only get Ting.com, you get dough back. By going to LarryTing.com. Wow, that was pretty good. Thank you, folks. In fact, that makes me feel so good. It, it It's a perfect blend into the, that's right, the joke of the week. The joke of the week. That means weekly, once a week, we pick a joke and I perform the joke and thus it is the joke of the week. And here it is. This is from that list we've used before of the 100 best jokes in the world that they're handled by people, and these are voted on by people. So it's not that it's just handled by someone you wouldn't think is funny anyway. So it's people just like you and the colonel and the doctor and me, and they've said what they think is funny. We think we think these are good jokes too. And so here we go. Two guys are walking down the street when a mugger approaches them and demands their money. Oh, no. They both grudgingly pull out their wallets and begin taking out their cash. Just then, one of them turns to the other, hands him a bill, and says, Here's that 20 I owe you. Now, we thought that was pretty good. We thought, so he's finally going to pay up the the 20 or the double sawbuck, that would be, right? Or the Jackson. That's the uh, Andrew Jackson. And he's going to pay. As long as he's going to lose the money anyway, he might as well be clean with this good, close friend of his, and they're both being mugged. Now, they don't know yet whether they're getting out of this alive, by the way, but at least he's clean with that dough. So that's a pretty good joke. And it's short enough that Colonel Jeff and I thought we would give you another one from the same list that's, uh, that, that we thought was funny, too. Okay, ready? A guy shows up late for work. Oh, boy. And the boss yells, You should have been here at 8.30. And the guy says, Why? What happened at 8.30? Now, again, we thought, That's a pretty good joke. It's just as silly as you want to be. But we just, we liked both of those. Especially as, well, what they should be, the joke of the week. So, So thanks, folks. And in particular... Those jokes are so lyrical. Those jokes have such, well, the point of life in them. They're really reaching up to heaven and loving everything about life and the sun rising in the east that, well, we thought it was a perfect blend right into, that's right, the Poetry Corner. Our Poetry Corner. The corner of poetry. The corner where we have poems and poetry. I love doing this. I, I, I'm glad you do, too, that it's... Poetry is such a nice thing to bring into a world like our show here. And it's a perfect time for a corner, and we get to do many different kinds of poets. 
and we like it very much, and we hope you do too. Here's one, another one we've read from the great Rudyard Kipling, and we, uh, we've read from him before, and we will again. There's so many great poets out there. And this one is, he had a great sentimental and a great side of affection in him. And this one is called The Power of the Dog. I thought that was a great title, and here we go. The Power of the Dog by Rudyard Kipling. There is sorrow enough in the natural way from men and women to fill our day. And when we are certain of sorrow in store, why do we always arrange for more? Brothers and sisters, I bid you beware of giving your heart to a dog to tear. Buy a pup and your money will buy love unflinching that cannot lie, perfect passion and worship fed by a kick in the ribs or a pat on the head. Nevertheless, it is hardly fair to risk your heart for a dog to tear. When the fourteen years which nature permits are closing in asthma or tumor or fits, and the vet's unspoken prescription runs to lethal chambers or loaded guns, then you will find it's your own affair, but you've given your heart for a dog to tear. When the body that lived at your single will with its whimper of welcome is stilled, how still! When the spirit that answered your every mood is gone, wherever it goes, for good, you will discover how much you care and will give your heart for the dog to tear. We've sorrow enough in the natural way when it comes to burying Christian clay. Our loves are not given but only lent at compound interest of cent per cent, though it is not always the case, I believe, that the longer we've kept them, the more do we grieve. For when debts are payable, right or wrong, a short-time loan is as bad as a long. So why in heaven, before we are there, should we give our hearts for a dog to tear? We thought that was lovely. And yes, it's always very sweet to think of doggies and, and how much they, they give. A good doggy, boy, that really is the best thing in the world. How dogs first caught around, oh, 5,000, 10,000 years ago, whenever it happened that dogs first became, well, friendly with people and first wanted to join the human pack, and when we first got to where, well, you know, it's good for a dog to be in the family. It's good for the dog to be part of you. I know people say sometimes, they say, well, you know what, why, why do we have to have, have uh, dogs? Let them run wild. You ever seen dogs run wild? It's really... It's it's an ugly, feral, violent thing. What you want is a great doggy with you in your bed so that when you, you're sleeping there with your wife, you watch the news at night or something, and that dog's right in the middle there. Or when the kids play with the dog, you know, something, that's the way to go. And, yeah, it's the greatest thing in the world to give your heart to a dog who might tear. So, in any case, it reminded me of... For the week, my magic movie moment. Because there's so much. That's why I love talking about magic movie moments. 
There's so many different ways. There are so many different ways to love a movie, a kind of movie, a style of movie, a structure of storytelling in a movie. And sometimes it's a movie you've seen 30 times and love every time. And sometimes it's a scene or just a moment where one character looks at another and it reminds you of that every single week. Sometimes it really affects you that way. And you know what? That's not one of the cases this week. It's a movie I never saw, and I didn't think I'd like it. It didn't look like my cup of tea. But you know what? It sure was, and I hope it'll be your cup of tea after you hear this also and the magic movie moment in it. It's called The Gold Diggers of 1933. And for those of you who don't normally like things like that, it's in black and white. It's from 1933, and it's it's a love story. And you know what? For those of you who don't like something like that, I didn't think I would either. But I saw it, and I liked it so much. It's a long time for me, and probably for you as well, where we give our hearts to a movie like this and just watch it from beginning to end and... Folks, I'll tell you, it's in 1933, and the rich guys are originally going to throw the, the poor girls out, and they're not going to like this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything. But then everybody turns out, everybody falls in love with everybody else, and there are three couples there at the end. It's so wonderful, Guy Kibbe and Warren William, uh, who play the two of the rich guys, and, of course, the great Dick Powell and so many beautiful young women. Remember, it's 1933. It's before these women became great stars on their own. It has Ginger Rogers and Joan Blondell. It has so many really beautiful young women in it. And you say, look at them. They're gorgeous. By the way, in 1933, it turns out this was just before... Oh, a lot of the more stricter censorship took over in Hollywood movies, and they were still selling things or showing things that were, well, not what we would call sexual today, but a little risque for the times. It was so wonderful. The story it tells moves them along, and then the guys start to fall for the girls. The girls think that they're going to, oh, they're going to con these guys, and they'll get their money. And you know what? Everyone winds up loving everyone else. Yes, that's the word. Not caring for, not committing to, but it was still when stories are being told of you fall in love and get married. And that's what these folks do. And by the end of the picture, I'm telling you to see these three couples standing there having done this. You and I might say for this conversation right now, well, that's silly. In an hour and a half, how could you have all that happen and have these folks wind up together and commit this way and love each other and get married? You know what? I watched it and I thought, why not? It was a great, joyous, happy, why not? I was smiling so broadly on that, thinking, why the heck not? Look at these three couples. Is it real? It's as real in this movie. It's as real for these characters. It's as real for this story as it's ever been. And to see these wonderful actors and actresses really doing what they should do, which is act just like they are, which is they're in love and they just got married. And you know what, folks? The three young, beautiful women are in love with the three, well, older, rich guys. And why not? So that's something that made me so happy. Yes, it's black and white. Yes, it's 1933. But I'll bet you a dollar. You know what? 
if you just do what I did and go get that or pull it up on your TV and whatever system you have, the gold diggers of 1933, you invest the time, put your feet up and watch it and enjoy it all alone or with the family. It's a terrific movie and it pleases you. It satisfies. And you think to yourself, how do you like that? I bought it all the way. And what's wrong with that after all? What's wrong with buying it all the way? What's wrong with taking a simple story like that and uh, simple characters and making them wonderful? They were all so good. And by the way, it was the first movie that Bus- Busby Berkeley choreographed. when he And he became, as you know, as you should know, as you know now, he became one of the greatest parts of Hollywood of storytelling. And the way he choreographed scenes and the way he did and the way he showed them from above, it was just terrific. And the same as the love story. You see what Busby Berkeley did and you think the same way. Why not? And you really have a great smile on your face by saying, why the heck not? Every part of that movie is. So that's my magic movie moment this week of seeing those three couples at the end with a big smile on my face and thinking, why not? There are some great, dark, sad movies. There are some great, sorrowful movies with high stakes. There are some great James Bond movies. There are some great every kind of movie. But you know what? Just to remember where storytelling came from and just to remember what the world looked like in America... In 1933, try this one, The Gold Diggers of 1933. Gold Diggers at the time was a slang word used for young, beautiful women who were just, well, gold digging. They just wanted to go after older, rich guys and marry them. And so it it's not a compliment, really, but all the young women began to laugh at it. And this one starts out, it starts out that they're gold diggers. But you know what? They're not. They're just folks like you and me, the six of them, and they fall in love and get married, and they make a simple story great. And I had a simple story that went great this weekend. Sunday night, after all the sports with the kids and all, well, all the lessons, and one of the kids has to do the the work where you do community service work for seven hours, and it's at another school, by the way, which is... It always to me one of the dumber things. He's in he's in his school. They tell him, no, you have to go to another school to do seven hours work for them. But you know what? He enjoyed it. He put in good work. He helped them a lot and in their garden there. And it's a it's well, it's a long day. It's some hard work and whatever else we did and all the shopping we did. It's so funny too, because as as a husband, as a man, as a tough guy, I knew it was time to clean out the big pantry room there of all the things in it, all the shirts, all the ladders, everything, and I took them all out, and I saw what had to be repaired. And I did. There were cracks in the wall, and I knew what had to be done. And I filled everything, and I got some pieces of wood with with nails and a hammer, and I fixed everything up. And I went out to the garage and got some old paint cans from the house, and I repainted the parts I had fixed. Now, this is all while my wife went shopping, and had cooked breakfast and and lunch and made a great dinner for us. And so it was really just a classic, traditional story of an American family with just one tiny thing wrong. 
I wasn't the one who did the building, she did. And she wasn't the one who went shopping and cooked all the meals, I did. And that's always made me smile to think that every couple is unique. You know, I don't care. I don't need to to do the hammering and the painting. I've done plenty of house painting, but you know what? I didn't need to do it this weekend. She did. And at the time, she was cooking a meal for us that night for Sunday night. And it was going to be one of her, well, one of the things she got from a TV show or a book somewhere, a spaghetti. It's a beefy Italian sauce, carbonara, maybe. Maybe that's it. And it has to simmer all day for six, seven hours while one of the kids is out doing community service. And she makes some pasta to go with it. And she got a loaf of Italian bread that I got. And and you cut that up and you make it ready for, well, it's classic garlic bread and and some nice hot vegetables and with mushrooms and onions in it on the side. And you know what, by the way? We all ate together at the end of the night at 7. Nothing fancy. But that's why it was great, because it was nothing fancy. My wife cooked it all day, and she did her best, and she's a good cook anyway. And she put it all together, and I set the table, because I do that really well. And we sat down, the the four of us, and with the dog there, and we ate this meal. And you know what? When we passed the bread and when we, you know, said a thank you prayer and when we did everything we do there, folks, that was the best meal I've ever had. Now, I've know, I know I've talked about the best meal you ever had before, and it's not the fancy restaurants. It's not the ones where a, a big meal costs a gillion dollars and you think, oh, look at that. They put half the caviar in the eggshell. You know, it, that's terrific. I'm glad if that's what you like, that's fine. And I'm glad the restaurants are doing well. But that's not the greatest meal I ever had. This quiet meal with the family that my wife cooked all day long, where we all sat down, and it's the thing we were all together. And I got to say what my dad used to say every single time. I've mentioned that before on the show here. That he used to say when I was a kid, when my mom made something good, really good, he used to look around and say to to us, to the kids, you know what? You couldn't get this meal in a hotel. And for his generation, for those classic Depression folks, that was the highest compliment they could give because they were never going to go to a hotel. And for them, the thought of a meal in a hotel, and it was pronounced even hotel, that's how that's how far... It, w- it was to think of going there. But I say that every time. And I said it Sunday night. You know what? M- my wife said, how is it? I said, how is it? You couldn't get a meal like this in a hotel. And, uh, and we were all together. And we had a great meal. And it was nothing fancy again. And just quiet. We talked about little things. Just little things. How the day was with athletic events that they were in. And how it was... Oh, to do the community service, little things like that. And then when we were finished with the meal, here's how quickly things end. We were finished with the meal, and it was terrific. And one of the kids got up and started to rinse his plate off and stack it to be washed. And, well, we all got up, and we were all still just laughing at something. And we gave the dog some stuff. Well, he always gets things that, that we eat. And you know what? As soon as we got up, though, I realized as soon as we started moving to the sink, 
I realized, and I think they all did, and I said that, wow, I guess that meal is over now. I guess that moment is over now. I guess that time together over this good cooking put in is over now. And that's why a meal cooked at home is the best meal in the world. Because you know what? It doesn't matter if a zillion-dollar meal is free. You really can't do better than a meal like that at home with everyone healthy and something that, well, my wife cooked all day long and we really enjoyed. We didn't wail it down. We took bites and we smiled at each other and we talked. You can't do better than a meal like home just like that. And then when we got up and took our dishes to the sink and one of the kids went downstairs to uh, the computer to put on something on the screen where he gets to kill a lot of bad guys. And that's essentially what it is. He, he does. And he loves that game. He loves those games. And another one went to a computer in his room to watch a funny movie. And my wife went downstairs to her office to watch something she wanted to watch. And there's a little sadness there because I thought, well, how do you like that? I wish we could all well, play a little gin rummy together or just sit around, put a log on the fire and just sit around and just not saying anything and not watching anything. And there's a little bit of sadness. But you know what, folks? I went into the bedroom, to our bedroom, and I was thinking about what a good meal that was. And I turned on the TV and guess what came on for the first time at the very start? That's right. The Gold Diggers of 1933. And that's when I saw it. And that maybe that's why I had such a big smile through it, because I had just had a great home-cooked meal with the family, and everyone was happy doing their little, little things they wanted to watch. And so I was thinking, well, if I call everybody in, they could all watch this with me. Uh, I'm going to take a chance on this. Maybe it's going to be great. Maybe it's going to be okay. Maybe it's going to be just okay. Maybe it's going to be not too too good. It was terrific, folks. And you know what? It was just as good watching it alone instead of forcing everyone, quick, come on, come up, quick, you got to watch this with me. It's Warren Williams and Guy Kibbe and Dick Powell. Oh, come on, fast. But instead of doing that, you know what? We had a great meal together, and now we're playing all our own little games together. And I had a chance to just, well, lie there in bed, and uh, the dog was right next to me, and I could pet him and hug him and watch The Gold Diggers of 1933. And that's exactly what I did, and I hope it's exactly what you do. Give that movie a chance. Give that kind of meal a chance. Give our sponsors a chance. And you know what? It'll be another good week, well, with our show, and that, that makes us very happy. So as always, remember... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And you are now one of the gold diggers of 1933. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. This has been a Larry Miller presentation. Hey, that's me.